Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're tuned in to the Todd Coconato Show, otherwise known as The Remnant, one of the most listened to podcasts in the Christian community. You can visit our website, ToddCoconato.com, and now broadcasting live around the world from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, here's the host of the show, Pastor Todd Coconato. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. We appreciate it. We appreciate that you're here. Uh, it's been a hard week for me personally. Um in my hometown here in Nashville, where we live, uh, there was a tragic shooting, as you all have heard. Uh, six people killed, um, three children. Uh, just unbelievable to think what's happening in our country right now. It's like every day there's something, right? Every day we, we face another major headline, it seems, or at least every couple days. The, the news cycle has sped up. Um, our nation is in peril in so many different ways, and that's why we so often talk about the things that we do. Uh, trying to get people to wake up, trying to get people to understand that it's a spiritual matter. We got to turn back to God. Many of you understand this. You're the remnant people, but you know, to the greater audience and people that just kind of pick up the show for the first time or happen to just tune in or, you know, people that somehow get the show shared to them or something, our, our job, our mission, what we try to do is exude the spirit of the living God that's in us in such a way that we show the love of Christ and, uh, you know, we, we reach out to the lost. We reach out to the down, downtrodden. We reach out to those who are battling addiction that are having a hard time and are in, in need of a savior. That means it, we're, we're reaching out to sinners, all people, because all people are sinners, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we believe in this hour, there's a great harvest we believe in this hour there's a, a great multitude of souls that are continuing to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that are understanding that that is the only way to have a successful life both on this earth and eternally, where we get to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we don't know. We're not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed um, even today. You know, things are happening so fast. You could be at the wrong place at the wrong time. I was talking to my wife about this, but think about, you know, a parent's worst nightmare, worst nightmare possible. You think about this. They're, they're, they put their child in a school praying and, and believing. This is a Christian school, no less. It's a private school. They're praying and believing, you know, my, my child is going to be safe here. There's, there's different precautions that are, that are taken. Uh, you know, this particular school was locked. Uh, the the assailant shot out the 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 windows to get in 
So it wasn't even the fact that the doors were unlocked or that there was uh, an, an easy path to entry. This person shot out right away the windows in order to gain entry into the school. But it's, it's the worst nightmare. It's the worst phone call. Your worst nightmare to get that call or to find out that not only is the school being shot up, but it's your child's school. It's where your child is at while you're at work. And, and all of a sudden, you, your, your whole life flashes before your eyes. All of a sudden, everything that was important is no longer important as it's a survival instinct. It's, is my child okay? And even worse is finding out that they're not okay. Even worse is having to be the pastor of that school and finding out that you're, you're the one that everyone's looking to for comfort to, to con- console those that are wounded and hurt, for what, which has happened. And meanwhile, your child was also killed. I tell you, friends, I mean, it, 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 that next day and that whole day, and we, we, we got on the ground as quick as we could, and, you know, because it's a local area, and uh, the next day I spoke with um, some of the police officers in Metro that were involved. We happen to actually have one in our community here. And uh, just got a little bit different side of the story, you know, and, and just more information that wasn't being reported. I mean, he didn't, he didn't give me anything that was secret or anything like that, but he was just sharing some things that were happening with the, the Metro Police and things like that. And, and just unbelievable to think about what's happening in our country. And so there's a lot of layers to this. And I, I want to today I want to dedicate the show to, first of all, the families and the victims, but also to every person that's mourning right now in our nation and how we can take this opportunity to reflect and to understand the urgency of the hour and also to get our house in order and to make sure that we're in the right place before the Lord. And I just tell people, I don't really believe this isn't a, this isn't the time to be messing around. This isn't the time to be wishy-washy or on the fence. Uh, this is the time that we've got to be in the game, that we've got to understand the urgency of the hour and, and the wickedness and the spirit of Antichrist that's risen. And uh, just to really understand the battle that we're in and why we do what we do. And I've been noticing a lot of critical people, people that are responding to some of our posts, some of our emails, just angry, so angry. And I think what's happening is they're just directing their anger at anybody that'll listen because they're frustrated. Uh, I've got many texts in the last couple of days or people that are literally, they're telling me, Pastor Todd, I'm about to lose it. Maybe that's you. Pastor Todd, I'm about to lose it. I just don't know how much more I can handle. There's, There's a lot of people dealing with mental challenges right now where they're saying, I don't even feel stable. I just, it's just too much. So we're going to, we're going to address this today head on. And, um, there's a lot of layers to it, but first and foremost, I just want to express my condolences and solidarity with the, the families that unfortunately had to walk through this and live through this. And, uh, we don't negate the fact that they're going through a tremendous thing right now where mourning and pain and, something unlike probably they've ever experienced before. And, and I don't want to, I just don't take it lightly. I want you to know it's, it's heavy for me. And I can imagine, I can't imagine, honestly, how heavy it is for them. Now, have I had experienced in my own life tragedy? I have. And so I can, in some aspects, relate. Uh, you know, we as a family have walked through different things over the years. And 
some of them have been pretty difficult. We've been in ministry for a long time. We've seen other families that have also walked through similar types of things and have ministered to people in, in some of the most difficult situations in their lives and, and just imaginable. And so I, I feel like I, de- I definitely can relate uh, with regard to some of the pain, but I I can't understand the pain that somebody would go through in losing their child. I, I just, it's unimaginable. And some of you on this broadcast, you know that pain. And I just, I sympathize with you. And we want you to know that sometimes the things in this world are unexplainable. I, I tell people this as a minister. I say, sometimes we don't understand why certain things happen. And I'm not going to sit here and try to make up something just to make you feel better. Like there are things that just are horrible and we don't understand them. And and there's an old song that says, we'll understand it better by and by loss, uh, premature death of a loved one. Those things sometimes are unexplainable. And, and sometimes what we want to do is we want to get mad at God because we don't understand how God allows this. And I understand that. Uh, have I been mad at God at some points in my life? Sure. But it, it really doesn't behoove us at all to be mad at God. It doesn't, it doesn't do us any good at all to be mad at God. And by the way, uh, evil things are not from, from God. They're not coming from God. God does allow them, uh, and we don't understand that sometimes. And so in our humanity, we want to get mad at him. But just remember, we're just passing through in this world. As the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so we are eternally minded and we're in it, but we're not of it. And we're citizens of heaven. And so we don't really determine how long we're going to be here on this earth. The best thing that we can do is do our very best. Now, if somebody has been removed from your life, tragically, uh, there's definitely a season where it's okay to mourn. There's also a time where I believe we've got to pick up the pieces and we've got to just say, look, for some reason, I'm still here. And God has allowed me to still be here. And so I'm not going to let this tragic situation allow me personally to spiral out of control. I'm not, I still have a purpose here. There's something that I'm still meant to accomplish. And so even though these horrible things have happened, I have to believe that God is in control ultimately. And I have to believe that he's ordering my steps and he's guiding my path. And I have to believe that he's going to give me the strength because when I'm weak, he's strong. You know, he's going to give me the strength to endure and to press ahead in the middle of this tragedy. We have to ask the Lord for the strength. Sometimes you may be going through a divorce. You may be going through a recent death. You may be going through a job loss or something that's that's a suddenly in your life. And the enemy would love that to be the very thing that causes you to spiral out of control. Somebody in your life that you care about is sick. They've been diagnosed with something. They're, they're, maybe they're on their deathbed. And so you're going through it with them. And we don't understand it. We don't understand why. Why, God? Why are you allowing this? I will tell you the most challenging things that I've had to walk through in my life have really shaped my character. Uh, they've given me the ability to, to be stronger than I believed I was able to be. Um, they gave me the ability to press ahead with the strength of the Holy Spirit, to have to rely on God in a time of such pain when I knew that it could go one way or the other, but for some reason, I chose the right path because I knew that that would be the one that sets me up for success. And ultimately, I have to rely on my faith. I can't give up on my faith. I can't 
give up on because that is the very um, fundamental thing that characterizes who I am as a human being is my faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with just a little faith, you can move the mountains. So listen, stay tuned. I'll be right back. This is the Todd Coconado Show. All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconado Show. I'm so thankful that you're here for this nine-minute segment. Uh, very important subject matter. We're talking about, of course, just a tragic situation. My heart has been heavy this week as I've talked to first responders. I've talked to parents and people in the community that are just reeling in Nashville. And I know around the country and the world about what just happened with the shooting and just a an unbelievable tragedy that, listen, we don't want to politicize this. We don't want to make it about all these different things. I know right away, uh, a lot of people on the far left and everything go right into gun control. Uh, my argument with that is simple. It's, um, you know, what happened in prohibition times uh, with, with regard to, um, you know, the, the alcohol being illegal. What happened? Well, the alcohol was just held by the criminals and dealt with by the criminals. And so uh, cartels of, of, of alcohol dealers arose and speakeasies and an underground and, there was still alcohol, and if you take away the guns, I believe there will still be guns. They'll just be illegal guns that'll be you know, run by the criminals, and uh, the the God fearing, good citizens that want to protect their family, they'll be disarmed, but the you know the bad guys won't. So I don't think that's a solution. What the problem is, is we have a, a major issue in our country on so many different levels, and so in this segment, I want to kind of tackle a little bit of that. You know, I think there's a, a a major problem with the moral decline that we've had. We've we've tried to take God out of everything, God out of our schools, God out of everything. I mean, you know, all the educational institutions and uh, every aspect of society, people have pushed to take off, you know, take out the Ten Commandments from public, uh, you know, real estate buildings and take God out of, you know, take prayer out of schools and take any, you know, separation of church and state. Don't don't talk about God. Well, God is the foundation that this country was built on. This this country has Christian values. That's what we were founded on. And that's why America's prospered for so long. And, and when this movement of taking God out of everything started really metastasizing and becoming a, a huge deal in our country, probably in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, up until now, We've seen a major decline in America in so many ways. And and now it's at the point where you go to the grocery store, you go to coffee shop, and people that are not even Christians uh, can tell there's something very wrong. They say everything, I mean, it doesn't matter who you talk to, right or left. People are noticing there's something very, very wrong. And I will argue that it is the, the, the very thing that I just talked about the fact that we tried to take God out of everything it never works it's never works in any society ever when you take the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob when you take the one and only true God out of you know the society you're going to see lawlessness chaos demonic activity and that's what's happening and and there's a lot of preachers that don't even want to talk about that there's a lot of preachers that don't want to talk about the demonic activity and the things that are happening. And I get just so much criticism, by the way, from, from every side, including the uh, people in the Christian community that I, have, I, I consider people that have a critical spirit. And they want to just look at every single word that I speak and, you know, just looking for something. It's like they're combing through my, my radio shows. They're combing through my video. Oh, there he finally, I've got something on him. First of all, I'm human and I'm far from perfect. 
But second, why is it that there are people that are so dedicated to criticizing those that are actually doing something? Why don't we, instead of doing that, actually be the church and do our part? And, and, and maybe if we don't agree with something, well, then let's be the change. But there's a lot of you know critical people that are sitting on couches doing nothing, but yet just looking to attack the good guys. And I don't understand that because we are in a war. And so you got to look at what's at stake here. Everything, our, our freedoms, our religious liberties, our country. I mean, I'm not saying that Christianity won't continue because it'll always continue until the Lord comes back and takes his church. But what I'm saying, though, is that unfortunately, there will be countries that will go down. There will be changes of world order. There will be changes of currency. There will be things that we're going to be seeing in the very near future. And so right now is such an important time for humanity. Why are we pointing the guns at our, our, you know, what they call friendly fire? Why? It just doesn't make sense why you make that the issue. But there is a real issue. and And the issue is the moral decline. The issue is, what about the violent video games? Have you seen the video games, how violent they are? I mean, just massacring people everywhere. And then somebody gets out of that video game into the society, and it's it's almost like a programming has taken place. It, it what it does is it it lowers the uh, the mind's ability to understand you know from reality versus the video game. I mean, it's you start thinking differently. You, you if you're shooting people all day in cold blood on a video game, and all of a sudden you're in society and you're dealing with depression or you're dealing with anxiety or you're dealing with some of the things that the enemy's using in this hour, some people on multiple psychotropic drugs that have multiple side effects that are mixed together. I know people that are on two, three, you know, psychotropic drugs that all have side effects and that mess with your mind. They actually cause depression. And and there's a lot of churches that aren't dealing with deliverance. They, They don't want to deal. It's too messy. So they don't deliver anybody, and it's more feel-good, seeker-friendly motivation. Well, that's not setting people up for success. So there's, there's, there's a lot of different angles to this. And it's really easy to sit here and, and, and criticize, but the question I ask is, what are we actually doing to be the change? What are we as a Christian community doing? How do we respond to all of this nonsense, all this madness, all this evil? Because it can be overwhelming. And so what happens is a lot of people, and you're not a bad person if this is you, but you're overwhelmed and you just, you're in your house just overwhelmed. You don't know how to respond and quite frankly, it's just too much for you and you feel overwhelmed and and you're, you're dealing with massive anxiety. And by the way, I've dealt with anxiety, so I know how that is. But we've got to muster up the strength to pray and ask the Lord to renew our mind. That's why the Bible says, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me it also says die to your flesh daily it says we're not to be conformed to the things of this world but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind well that happens in prayer it happens in us going to the lord and saying lord this is too much for me to bear i lay it at the foot of your cross but i need your help i need your strength we've got to call upon his name that's why the bible says those who call upon the name of the lord will be saved and so i believe that as you draw near to him he'll draw near to you I believe the Lord will give us a way out. He will give us the strength. He will give us the solutions. But we've got to do something. And that's what a good portion of this ministry is is really uh, focusing on, is just getting the message out and, and raising the awareness 
to understand the critical hour that we're in, but the fact that we can do something. There is an action that the church has the the power in the name of Jesus to pull down the strongholds. The church has the, the authority to occupy and to cast out and to drive out and to go and to make disciples of the nations. And if we do these things, there's an effective change that's lasting. And so there is a spirit And we're going to talk about this in the next segment. There's a spirit, I call it the Antichrist spirit, that is rising up in this hour and that is pushing everything that is ungodly. And this is, the, this is what it is. And when I say it's a battle of light versus darkness, this is what I mean. It's, it's a spirit that's pushing an ungodliness on us. And we have to understand and then combat it and take back the territory for the kingdom of God. And that's only done through prayer and for us to, to stand up and to rise up and to be the church, to be the Philadelphian church, the empowered church, and to know what we're capable of doing by using the weapons of our warfare and putting on the full armor of God. And so I'm going to take this head on in the next segment. Stay tuned. Pastor Todd.org. Pastor Todd.org. We're going to get into this. What is this Antichrist spirit? How do we combat it? Very important information. We'll be back on the Todd Coconado Show. All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconado Show's the 14-minute segment of the show. It's the longest segment, so I want to get into this. Uh, the Antichrist spirit that's rising in this nation, and this is what really is the the driving force, if you will, behind the persecution uptick that we're seeing. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, more and more people get mad at Christianity in fact, this this shooting has brought up the subject matter. Uh, you know, we were on a call with the Remnant Warriors uh, last night, and uh, we were talking about this with regard to uh, some of the challenges of addressing and dealing with the gay community and some of the missteps, by the way, from the church. You know, this this individual that shot up this school was somebody who considered themselves transgender, and I will mention this that in Tennessee, uh, only about a month or so ago, there was a, a law passed where it banned uh, the a lot of the aspects of this this whole agenda with the transgenders, the, the you know some of the mutilation and castration that's taking place, the young people and and the trans story hour. It's been it's been a big push, and this kind of start started really catching legs during the Obama administration. If you remember the bathroom controversy and all that, and it's just metastasized. Uh, if you look at the statistics, they're staggering. Uh, the, the the change of people that now are identifying as the opposite sex, and it's not it's not that they're just gay. They they now they want to trans you know uh, transfer or whatever you want to say gender reassignment, if you will, into the other the other gender. So it's 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 a next level. And I even know people in the gay community that think this is going way too far. Um, actually, quite a few. Uh, there's also quite a few people in the gay community that think the um, teaching of children, you know, of these things is also, you know, just grotesque. And these are people that are in the gay lifestyle that think that. So it, it's quite surprising to me that there's some people in the Christian world that don't see this as an issue when it's a very big issue, but it's a rise in the spirit of Antichrist. So how do we deal with it? How do we deal with this? This this uh, It's a perversion it's it's what the devil has always done is pervert what God intended. God gave us marriage between a man and a woman. He, he said there's two genders. And he said, uh, you know, that go go and make disciples. But he also said, be fruitful and multiply. And, and he said that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. 
And there are many scriptures, uh, by the way, I didn't write the Bible. I'm just a messenger. But many scriptures that, that are very, very blunt about gay, gay lifestyle and gay marriage. It's, it's, it's something that the Bible does not agree with. The Bible says, Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's, it's, it's not of God. Man shall not lay with man. Now, that doesn't mean we hate the person. We, we, we hate the sin. And I think one of the challenges, and this is one of the things that we were talking about on the call. I think one of the challenges is that uh, the Christian community is really honed in on this particular sin and we're not so much talking about pornography. We're not so much talking about other sexual sin. We're not so much talking about other sin in general. We've really honed in on this. And I think it's because it's such a cultural conversation. And, um, you know, it's, it's a real uh, kind of like center of attention right now in our society. It's, it's a major issue because uh, what's happened is there's two very, very different views on this. Uh, and they're colliding with each other. It's, it's, you know, there's the Christian worldview, which is what I just mentioned. Man is between uh, man and woman, you know, that's it. There's no other genders. Um, marriage is between a man and a woman. You know, man shall not lie with man. This is the way that our country was founded and, and for many, 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 many years, hundreds of years, uh, believed until this movement now and, and all of a sudden now it's the statistics are changing where there's such a large portion of young people that are quote, unquote, gender confused. And uh, now they're trying to take it out of the parents' uh, you know, purview, or if you will, or their control, so that if a child wants to transition, I'm talking about child wants to transition, that the parent could get in trouble for stopping them, and that it, it that there, there's laws that are being pushed through in certain places around the world in our country, where the parents could actually get in trouble if they stop a child. Now, I don't know about you, but my child thinks that she's Wonder Woman sometimes. My child thinks that she's Barbie. My child thinks that she's many different things. I mean. Could you imagine saying, okay, well, now you're Barbie and allowing her to get a bunch of different things done to her body so that she'd look like Barbie at the age of, you know, a small, ripe age of under 10? But yet this is this is where we're headed. So this is very wicked and very demonic, and, and most people don't want to talk about it because they're afraid of being ostracized, criticized. They're afraid of being attacked, and I will tell you there's a high level of attack when you do talk about it. High level. But yet, what is the Christian perspective on it? Well, I just mentioned it's marriage between a man and a woman. So how do we deal with it? So we don't want to ostracize or make gay people feel like they're unloved because they're not. They're still loved by God, but it's the sin. And just like any other sin that anybody's involved in that's listening to this broadcast, if you're an alcoholic, you know, if you're being drunk every night, if you're, if you're looking at pornography, if you're, if you're mean-spirited, you're angry, jealous, envious, uh, coveting somebody uh, involved in adultery or fornication. or Those are all sins. Gluttony even is a sin. So we do hone in on this particular one. I think it's because it's such a social issue of our hour, but we do have to be careful not to alienate the gay community in a way that, that makes them feel like they're totally hated by Christians because a lot of gay people do feel like that. They feel like Christians hate them. And I just want you to know, if you're somebody who's in the homosexual lifestyle and you're listening to this broadcast, I don't hate you, and God doesn't hate you. 
It's it's just the 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 sin that's hated. It's not you as a person. It's the sin and the sin that you're involved in. And by the way, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So um, we have to be careful, but we also have to stand. So I think there's a lot of people that like to just say things on social media so that they can get accolades from their fellow brethren. And that's good. I mean, I understand that. But we got to remember there's a lot of people watching and there's a lot of people listening and there's a lot of people reading. And I think the Christian community does come off as quite hostile oftentimes to the gay community, you know, even though I'm never going to back down on the fact of what the Bible says. I'm not going to capitulate or cave or don't get me wrong. Okay, I've had many conversations with people in the gay lifestyle and I tell them, look, I didn't write it. I didn't write the Bible. If I did, it might be a little bit different. I didn't write it. But hey. I, I, I stand by the entirety of the word of God. I preach the entirety of the word of God. That's who I am. That's who I'll be until the day that I die. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to beat you over the head with the Bible. It doesn't mean that you're unloved by God. It's the sin. And, and it's a sin that we do have to repent of. But I will tell you, uh, pastoring in Los Angeles for many years, I remember a period of time there was some lesbian, there was a lesbian couple that were attending the church regularly. And I would probably preach on gay marriage maybe four or five times a year. You know, I, it wasn't every service. And, and you know, because I, I cover the entirety of the Word of God. We get into different studies and different chapters and different books. And, and so, you know, I'm busy teaching the entirety of the Word of God. But, yes, I do cover that. And if you sit in my church for any given amount of time, it will come around to that. Yes, it will. But I don't hone in on that every week. And so what happened was we were able to develop a relationship with this couple and uh, they started to know me as a person and I knew them as a person. So when we did get around to the gay marriage subject, the, the conversation was able to be had. And by the way, it was had early. It didn't take months. It was had. But at that point, though, they knew at least part of who I am and they could see that I operated in love because we're known by our love and the fruit of the spirit. We're known by our fruit. And so there was a little more legitimacy to them when I when I spoke about it. Now, did they receive it? I will tell you, I don't think they did. Ultimately, they left the church, but it wasn't like a hostile situation when they left. It wasn't like they hated me. Uh, I think that, you know, they were probably under conviction. And what I believe is that if you allow the Holy Spirit to move, there will be an element of, there will be a time where they get convicted because they know what you're saying is ultimately true but they're choosing to be in sin because of a particular uh, area in their life, which they feel like, you know, some people feel like they were born that way. That's not true, but they feel that way. And they've been told that they've been taught that. And so it's a deep rooted issue. And I think it's important friends that we do navigate this in a way that we show Christ's love and we pray about timing and we don't beat people over the head with the Bible. And uh, we're going to have to understand a divine strategy and wisdom because this is one of the biggest issues of, of our day. And there are a lot of people, there's going to be people coming to the church that, that need help, that are at the altar, that are gay. There's going to be people that are at the altar that are trans. There's going to be people that are drug addicts, the misfits, the prodigals. And are we ready as a church to welcome these people in yet still stand for the entire of the word of God? It's a delicate balance. And uh, there's a lot of questions that have come up about this. A lot of questions that have come up about, you know, do I go to a gay wedding? You know, uh, is it something that I would be better as a light at that wedding? Or is it better for me not to go to that wedding? Well, that's a good question. I know a prominent Christian singer that recently attended a gay wedding and she got a lot of criticism for it. And it's understandable. You know, if I went to a gay wedding, I think I would get criticized pretty extensively too. And I would not do it. Because it to me, it's like drinking alcohol. It's like, 
do I do it? I, I don't anymore. There was a time when I did. But, you know, I don't do it because I don't want to cause anybody to stumble. And, uh, you know, for me, I could easily have a glass of wine and, and be just fine. But I don't want people to stumble. And so it's, it's, it's the appearance of evil, avoiding even the appearance of evil. So it's like me going to a club, you know. I mean, could I probably go to a club and not drink and not party and stand there, maybe even have a divine appointment where somebody there is ministered to? I've seen it before. It's actually happened when I was in my early stages of Christianity. And uh, I was at a work function, and we ended up going to a nightclub, and I would minister to a woman that was going through a marital issue, and she's still with her husband today. So is it something that could happen? Sure. But it's the appearance of evil, and so for me to be in a place like that, I think it could appear evil and cause people to stumble and confuse people, and so it's probably better off for me to not go and to simply pray and graciously decline the invite. But what if it's your brother? What if it's your, your son? Did you just not go? I mean, it's hard. It's such a difficult thing. And I think we all have to pray over these matters and and understand how to navigate them because there are going to be questions like this that come up in this hour. What happens when somebody comes to your church, pastor, or, you know, and and, and they are gay and they, and they want to attend the church? Do we kick them out? No. We can't kick them out, but we just, we have to stand by what the word of God says, but we also can show them love and we're not honing in on one sin or making them feel like they're not welcome because ultimately their attendance, the word of God does not return back void. And so if the presence of the Lord is in your in your church, what's going to eventually happen is there's going to be a, a conviction. And sometimes it's not something that's overnight. We have to pray about the timing and we've got to let the spirit work on their heart because if they have a hard heart like Pharaoh, sometimes it takes uh, some things to happen before you get a, your heart unhardened right? Softened. So these are things that we just got to, we got to think about and we got to navigate and we got to understand. And I think that uh, there is a path forward, but this generation of preachers, this generation of ministers, that's you, that's us. We are going to have to navigate this in a way where we still exude Christ's love and where we still show the fruit of the spirit, kindness, patience, long suffering, self-control, uh, I go back to the critical people. I mean, when, when they blast me on social media, everything in me wants to hit them back because, you know, when I was in the world, that's how I was. I wasn't just a, a wimpy person. I would I would punch back harder. And so in my flesh, that's what I want to do. But in the spirit, the Lord says, you got to, you know, you got to turn your cheek. You got to show them the love. You can't respond the way they responded to you, you know, or react in a way that shows that you're stooping to their level. And so this is the, I say, pick and choose your battles. Uh, make sure you're prayerful in how you respond. Be slow to speak. Exude the love of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. We're known by our love. We're known by our fruit. And just understand it's not always going to be cut and dry and super easy. But this is the spirit of this hour. And we as believers have to understand that we've got to make sure that we're in the spirit because if we're not in the spirit, we get in the flesh and then we're accused and then we're attacked and then we're no better than the other person. Mm. So very, very, very important. Um, listen, when we get back, we're going to end this conversation and we're going to pray. And I want to, again, bring it back to the initial conversation about the shooters and uh, the shooter and the, and the victims. Very, very tragic situation. We're mourning with you. We're praying for them. PastorTodd.org. We'll be right back.
All right, everybody, welcome back to the Todd Coconato Show. I just want to once again reiterate my sympathy and condolences to the victims. We are all mourning with you. My heart has been hurting. I don't want to in any way pretend like it hasn't. I've, I'm hurting for this community. I'm hurting for the city. I'm hurting for the victims. Uh, this is a multi-layered situation. There's a lot, of, a lot of things here, a lot of moving parts, a lot of pieces to it. It's not something that we're going to heal from overnight. This particular shooting has been very, very hard. The children that were killed, um, you know, just the evil. It's absolute evil. And I know many of you are dealing with the repercussions and and, and you feel very, very overwhelmed. And I just want you to know you're not crazy. Um, you're not alone. God is with you and he knows and sees your heart and your situation. And I believe he's going to give us the strength that we need to get through this, but it's painful and it's horrible. And I don't want to in any way belittle it or make it like it's not because it is. And I think sometimes you just got to call a spade a spade. This is awful. It's horrible. It's horrific. It's painful. And I mourn with you and we, we love you and we love the families and we're not here in any way to, uh, try to turn this into something else. There's a time for mourning. Even Jesus wept, by the way. There's a time for mourning. It's very, very painful. And I could say a lot of different things. I could get into the whole gun conversation more. I can get into the whole trans conversation more. I've said a lot today. But I think that ultimately, we've got to navigate this in a way where we exude the love of Christ and we pray for wisdom and discernment and we are slow to speak. Again, I'm going to say it. And we make sure that we're showing sympathy and love to everybody in every community as maybe something like this could be something that the Christian community could could actually see bring, you know, some of the most polarized opposite people together. You know, um, I, I just, I think there's got to be, I want to tell a story. You know, I went into Chicago not that long ago and I was ministering there and uh, I got on a bus. It was like around 11 at night. And I got onto the bus. And if you know the demographics of certain parts of Chicago, you know there's a high penetration of African-American people, which I happen to love. I've always been close with many African-American people from high school on and uh, always, even in my younger years. I mean, always. I've always had best friends that are black and, you know, just never saw the the division, never saw that in my eyes. I didn't I didn't see, I, you know, that wasn't who I was. It's not who I am. And I, it's, it's grieved my heart to see, uh, you know, the resurgence of the conversation and even the push about racism in our country. It's horrible. I mean, I think the conversation is fine if, we, if we're looking for solutions. But, you know, I, look, it's, it, racism is a sin. I say that. It is. It absolutely is. Um, and so, you know, anyways, um, I get on this bus and it was like, you know, 95% African-American people on the bus. And the driver was African-American. He was playing Christian music. And there was something that happened on that bus in that 10-minute or so ride where all of a sudden there was something. And I, I spoke to the guy, and I, I felt like the Lord was kind of giving me a word for him, but I didn't go that far. I just started speaking to the driver and saying, thank you for playing this music. And I feel God in this bus. You know, something in this bus. And so we started talking, and um, it, people were listening to our conversation. And you could just tell there was an uneasiness in the bus, but all of a sudden the Spirit of God started moving in that bus in that 10-minute ride where the worship was being played over the system, and no one was mad about it. No one was like, don't play that or don't have that conversation. People were hungry, and, and there was other people that started chiming in, and I thought, you know, when I got off that bus, I said, my God, what just happened? It was like the Spirit just met us in that 10 minutes on that bus. 
And it was like God welcoming me into the city, but also reminding me to understand that there are other ways that I need to look through. I need to look through other people's perspectives and not just my own. And I have to remember that that God loves people, not right or left or black or white, but he loves people, trans, he loves people. And God's heart is for the harvest. And God's heart is that we as believers somehow navigate in a way that we understand how to break through in the most difficult types of situations. That means that he's going to give us the keys to get through even the person that is the most lost, which by the way, was me at one point in my life. And he saved a wretch like me. And so, you know, we, we can't just hate the person because of the sin. We can't just think that it's me against you or you're my enemy or, you know, God hates you because you're sinning. We've got to, we've got to get rid of the critical spirit and remember our mission is souls. And that's all souls. It's not just conservative Christians. It's not just a certain segment. It's all souls. Everybody God cares about. So how do we do better as a church, even though we don't agree, even though we know that there's demonic things behind this? And But I believe God will give us a strategy. And as we, as we develop the relationships and we exude the love of Christ and we, and we somehow ask for just a divine strategy, ways to, to talk to the person, ways to show them. A lot of people are just looking at you and saying, are you real? Are you authentic? You say you're a Christian, but are you one of those people that's going to attack me? It's going to backstab me. That's going to come against me because of my sin. How do we respond? How do we react? How do we be proactive? I think we could do better. I really do. And you know me, I'm, and if you've listened to this program or you know me for a while, you know, listen, I'm, I'm very strong on my stances. I'm not, I'm not saying to back down or to, to capitulate or to cave to the society and what they're pushing. They're pushing demonic stuff. What I'm saying is though, we can get the strategy from heaven on how to navigate this in a way that we are anointed because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And there are people that are hurting on the left, on the right, in the, in the, in the black community, in the white community, in the Asian community. There are people that are hurting all over this country right now for different things. And we have the answer. The answer is the same. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the word of God. It's the, it's the king of kings. It's the Lord of lords. It's Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. He is the answer. But how do we best represent him? And how do we do it in a way that we're empowered and that we take everything to the Lord before we just make some impromptu decision that's flesh? Or we say something to pierce somebody or to attack somebody. How do we do it? The only way that we can navigate this is being spirit-filled and spirit-led. That's our GPS. Knowing the word of God and, and approaching this in a manner, we've got to come back to the table. Everybody, both sides, everybody's, this only way that we're going to move forward in a way that's truly successful. We've got to come to the table and we've got to do it in a way that is empowered by the spirit where it looks impossible. You think well, they're never going to agree. And we got to do it in a way where we don't cave and capitulate, but we got to do it in love. It's a very, very delicate situation, and it's it's only done through prayer. And it's going to take us also being comfortable with being uncomfortable and going out of our way sometimes. You know, there was a time when I would drive to far places to have a coffee with somebody to mentor them, and I still do, by the way. But, you know, I I had a lot less things going on in my life at that time, but I'm saying that, you know, are we willing to, to, to do what it takes? Are we willing to go above and beyond sometimes? Because thank God somebody did that with me many years ago. And I will tell you, my mom, she's a great woman. I love her. She's a powerful woman of God. She's a powerful minister. 
But when I was in the world and she was writing me long notes and letters and putting them under my door and then later when I was out of the house, she was emailing and stuff like that. I didn't, I wasn't ready to receive those words, even though they were right. I wasn't ready. I wasn't willing to hear it. I had my hands over my ears. I, I knew, you know, I knew she was right, but I didn't want to hear it. But there was a man in my life. He's now going to be with the Lord. But he would take the time to develop a friendship with me. And he took the time and, and you know, had those coffees and had those lunches. And, and you know, he, he went out of his way. I knew he was a busy guy. He went out of his way, but he, he loved me enough to, to invest in time and in a relationship and in discipleship. And I didn't even know it was discipleship at first. I just thought I found a, a guy that actually cared. Most people are looking for love. And he showed me love. Maybe that's something we can do better. Is that something we can do better? That we can go out of our way sometimes? That we can show the love of Christ? That we can get back to spending time on individuals? Look, if we all do our part, and we all just do a little bit, we all just do what God has. We don't have to save the world. We can just, you know, just a couple of people that God's put in our path maybe. And maybe it's just one in the beginning. But, you know, we, we, we develop a relationship and we... Show them that we love them, even though we don't agree with everything that's in their life. And we come to the table again, not caving, not capitulating, but at the same time, exuding the love of Christ and asking the Lord for divine strategy. And guess what? One person at a time, breakthrough starts happening. And while we're doing that, we're praying for them. We're investing in prayer. Maybe your son, maybe your daughter, maybe your family member, your spouse. We can't just give up on people. We can't just throw people away because they're trans or because they're gay or because they're involved in drugs or alcohol, pornography, whatever it is. We can't just throw human beings away. We've got to invest the time. And this is part of where we're going as a church. We're bringing back discipleship. We're bringing back mentorship. We're getting back to what the word of God actually says to do. And as we do that, we're going to see a tremendous harvest of souls. But We've got to stop. Look, you know, if it's just about your name and lights or something like that, you know, it can't be. It's got to be more. I see some pastors, they, they're all worked out. They got the beautiful clothes and everything, but are they actually pastoring their flock? You tell me. Got to get back to that. Bring back the altar services. Amen? I don't got it all figured out, but you know what? I know God is doing something. Listen, I love you. It's okay to mourn. Stand on the promise of God. Yes and amen. Hope in the future. We'll be back next week. God bless you. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. If you're listening to this message, that means you're on the podcast version of the show, and we just appreciate it. Listen, we are censored all over social media, so if you can help share this broadcast, that's a huge help to us. Uh, please share the broadcasts, and also, we just thank you so much for your support. Uh, please pray for us. We're going to the New Remnant Revival Center here in Nashville. We need uh, financial support partners. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big endeavor, but we're excited. We know God is doing a new thing, and he is answering our prayers, and he, we're moving forward, and so we just appreciate you so much. Thank you. I hope this message today broadcast uh, blessed you, and uh, we're just... Um, doing our best to stand for righteousness and truth in this very critical hour. And uh, we certainly appreciate your prayers. Thank you so much. God bless you.